Hello, I'm Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one-on-one to help deepen your meditation practice, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. It is your friend Jeremy McMindfulness here with another very special episode of Meditating with Friends. Uh, This week's episode, we are talking to Devaraj Sandberg. Uh, He's the founder of the School of Body-Based Therapy, uh, and he specializes in teaching bioenergetics and Reikian therapy. Uh, Reikian therapy as it relates to uh, Wilhelm Reich, the Austrian uh, psychotherapist. So I have a little bit of a confession to make. Uh, You know, as much as I like to, you know, tell people I am a meditation teacher, um, bioenergetics really has been my primary practice for the past couple of years. As we get into the conversation, I won't get too much into the definition of bioenergetics, but simply put, it's a body-based form of uh, psychotherapy. Um, And for me personally, it's been absolutely and completely and utterly life-changing. I fully believe in bioenergetics and I cannot speak to how much it's really benefited me uh, in my in my life and continues to benefit me as I continue to uh, work through my physical tension and my physical armoring as uh, they put it um, in Reikian and bioenergetic terms so it's really my pleasure to have Devaraj here because Devaraj is the person uh, who taught me bioenergetics who still teaches me bioenergetics and he is just really one of the most amazing resources that is available on the topic of this uh, kind of niche, sort of weird, uh, underground form of psychotherapy. So, again, it's really my pleasure to have him here. Uh, like I say in the interview, he's one of my you know main teachers in my life. Uh, so uh, I really thank Devaraj for being here with me uh, today. So we'll get into, now you're probably like, what is bioenergetics? What is that all about? We'll definitely get into the podcast. Um, We'll get into that during the podcast. Uh, Also, I will say I'm actually training uh, to become certified in teaching bioenergetics. So hopefully, probably at the rate I'm going, Probably early next year, I'll be officially certified through Devaraj's school, uh, known as the School of Body-Based Therapy. Uh, You can check out the link uh, to the school below. It is bioenergetics.org.uk. And yeah, so again, I really enjoyed this conversation with Devaraj. Again, really important to me, uh, really important teacher in my life. uh, And I hope you enjoy his takes on the mind-body relationship as much as I have because, again, he's really, really been one of my main sources as I've gone into this exploration uh, between the relationship of the mind and the body. Uh, Just a couple of other notes. Um, I will go ahead and apologize for the audio quality on this episode. 
I think when I recorded it, I used my webcam mic instead of my <laughs> really nice, uh, you know, expensive microphone that I generally use. So I don't sound the best, but I think you can still hear me. I think you can still understand what I'm saying, which is ultimately the most important thing. Uh, also, I've been kind of MIA lately because I've started a new job uh, and it's been taking up a lot of my time. I'm very grateful for the job, though, and I am really enjoying it. But it's been kind of an adjustment and of course i'm sort of focusing on that and getting my mind wrapped around the job before i you know run off and do all my millions of other little side projects so you may not be hearing a podcast from me quite as frequently um at least for the time being so just wanted to let you know that um and yeah this is going to be a great episode so sit back enjoy all right. I uh, hope everyone's having a good day. Welcome to another episode of Meditating with Friends. Uh, it is your friend, uh, Jeremy McMahon, here with uh, really my pleasure here to uh, introduce, uh, I, I would say, you know, uh, one of my main teachers in, in my life, uh, Devaraj Sandberg. So, Devaraj, how are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm here in Kiev. It's rather cold, uh, <laughs> and the uh, Soviet-style communal heating hasn't come on yet. But uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were, I remember you were telling us about that in one of your meetings. I mean, <laughs> it sounds a uh, it sounds a it sounds a little rough. Well, it's kind of cool in a way, you know. I mean, it's got a sort of Soviet chic aspect to it, I guess, because there's. <laughs> I think there's some guy somewhere in the local council whose job it is to decide when the heating comes on for the whole of Kiev, you know, like two, three million people who are living in blocks. Mm. But he obviously hasn't decided uh, quite yet. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's not been too cold today, so it's okay. That's, that's good. Um, yeah, it's a pretty. Uh, <laughs> pretty rainy and dreary here in new york uh it's supposed to rain um all day mm-hmm. um so you know it, it's a good good time to get cozy good time to hunker down and you know uh get some work done but um so devaraj uh you are uh you've you've been teaching me bioenergetics um for i would say about two years now i mean i've, I've done you know i'm on your second online course uh training as a bioenergetics teacher and you know i i have to admit i've kind of kept uh bioenergetics a little bit uh to myself um it's sort of (laughs) kind of like a secret thing that i've i've been kind of working on and haven't really presented much uh information about particularly on my social media channels so i guess let's start off really basic but um what is bioenergetics Well, I guess it is a little bit uh, secretive in a sense, although Mm -hmm. the word itself was coined by a chap called Alexander Lowen, who was really a a kind of follower or uh, someone who trained with a uh, once famous, somewhat notorious uh, Austrian psychotherapist called Wilhelm Reich, uh, who, who fled to the US in the late 1930s to escape World War II and uh, picked up a lot of people who were interested in his in his kind of style of body-based psychotherapy or body-based psychiatry. And Alexander Lowen did a lot of training with him, uh, became a doctor, and which was a kind of prerequisite for, for working with Reich. 
and then started to develop his own kind of thing, in the, I think around the 1950s, which he called bioenergetics. So that's where the word comes from. Mm. And, and, and really all it is, is, is is a series of kind of postures, most of which are static, some of which are active. And the static ones are basically you put your body in a certain posture and you breathe in a certain way and you endeavor to just keep feeling the body. Mm-hmm. And the active ones involve more movement, uh, possibly mm. synchronized with the breath. And, you know, it might look a little bit on the, from, from the outside like something you do in a gym or, or yoga or aerobics or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. But it has quite a deep – the muscle groups that it works are those which are particularly kind of important to anyone who's interested in trauma because mm-hmm. trauma, unprocessed emotional experiences usually from childhood are stored in the body at a muscular level. And uh, and so bioenergetics is a way that we can use physical movement to start to clear out some of this stuff. It's traditionally done as a kind of adjunct to psychotherapy, you know, talking about mm-hmm. your issues and, and your life and uh, finding parallels between behavior now and what went on in your childhood and this kind of thing. And, you know, bioenergetics was kind of added in as a, as a, a body-based component. And it's a little bit secretive in the sense that it's also got quite a lot of people outside of mainstream Western culture who have practiced it, some shamanic groups, uh, possibly even in Russia, certainly in, in South America, who, you know, have been busy with bioenergetics or something very similar for, you know, hundreds of years by the look of it. So it is kind of a secretive sort of thing and no one really has any copyright or control over it either. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, a really good explanation and giving a brief history of, of it. But it is, <clears throat> like you said, yeah, it is like a body-based, you know, psychotherapy practice. And I just found it really intriguing when I first discovered it that, you know, something like some body-based practice uh, even came out of psychotherapy because we just, I think just in the Western culture, we just associate, you know, uh, psychology just mostly with the mind. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's kind of where it's associated a lot now. Um, and I guess, you know, I'm trying to think back to like, I mean, Wright came from the school of Sigmund Freud, who mm-hmm. kind of, you know, was the father of psychoanalysis mm-hmm. uh, back in the late 1800s. Uh, the interpretation of dreams and these kind of books. And mm-hmm. he developed a whole kind of school around him in, in Vienna, Austria, in the first part of the 20th century. And and Wright came up through that, that kind of school for a while. And then, uh, as many later famous psychotherapists did, you know, had some level of drama with Freud himself and <laughs> the kind of yeah. substitute father, and then and then broke away and did his own thing, which is in some ways is just how it how it goes. But I mean, psychotherapy has always been interested in emotions, not so much like full-blown emotional expression, screaming and shouting and that kind of thing, but leading people into starting to feel their emotions has always been, I think, a, a, a significant aspect of psychotherapy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, this all comes back to repression, right? You know, like, uh, yeah, you know, that's what Freud was all about, that we, you know, we're, we've repressing these you know, impulses that we have, um, due to, uh, you know, basically due to social rules. Yeah. Tra- trauma and social conditioning and, and, mm-hmm. and this kind of thing was, so that was a big, a big chunk of the theory. I think 
for myself where I take it, you know, it, it's more about really the sense of the body. And that's where it mm-hmm. kind of comes in a little bit to, to, to meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, um, you know, if you just look at the bare bones of personal experience, I mean, we have like, you know, kind of four categories of experience broadly, like sensory experience, you know, the stuff that we can see around us and hear and taste and other people can, can share most of those things, you know, and, and then we have thinking, you know, discrete little kind of chains of thoughts that pop through our minds and, you know, we can form concepts and beliefs and judgments and all sorts of things. And then we have feelings, human emotions, which are, you know, anger, sadness, jealousy, emotional pain, grief, whatever, laughter. Mm-hmm. And then kind of underneath all of those things, there's just this raw sense of the body. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit like the kind of the aspect of, of consciousness that we just reject or ignore because particularly in today's world, it's not very sexy or exciting, you know, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, thinks being able to talk to people and, you know, explore ideas on social media is exciting for most people. And, you know, sensory experiences have always been exciting. And if you see someone in deep emotions, you're immediately attracted to look at them, someone being angry in the street or crying their eyes out. We straight away look at it, but the sense of the body is just kind of, you know, this thing in the background that no one really pays much attention to and is kind of marginalized. But in many ways, in a healthy personality, it's the kind of the coping stone or the foundation of a kind of healthy consciousness, really. But we have a good a good level of sense of the body that we can feel our body quite deeply. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that has made sense to me in my experience of just living. And I, I just wish, I, I kind of wish someone would to, to just like explain that to me earlier in my life because I feel like, again, you know, just living in the West and having, you know, sort of this, you know, as you said, it's the body isn't that sexy, which is funnier because it's like, what's sexier than other people's bodies. But <laughs> like, like just, um, yeah, we, 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 uh, romanticize and emphasize, you know, like intellect and discussion and ideas and thoughts and being able to express thoughts um and i just found that like in my life whenever i was going through like some type of difficult emotion or difficult feeling a you know it just would have been helpful for me to recognize that like this experience you know that the the main place where these feelings were playing out was in the body um and that b you know like that i just you know you can't think your way out of uh emotions a lot of the times you know like i feel like in my internal dialogue i would have with myself you know i try to basically argue with myself uh and give myself reasons for why i shouldn't be feeling a particular way to get me out of it um and that just seemingly like never worked Mm. yeah well i think we all yeah we all go through you know phases of doing that and in a sense, it's almost useful when they fail because it, it, it can mm. drive us to, to, to find a more, more authentic way, you know, and to mm-hmm. actually allow a feeling without our mind trying to guide it or direct it or put it in a category of psychological experiences or whatever. You know, usually when I'm closing sessions, I just remind people that, you know, if deep feelings are coming up later or deep, uh, you know, deep feelings, whatever, 
they feel you know anxious or something to actually just focus on the body and just feel the body just feel mm -hmm. it's almost underneath the emotions the sense of the body is there and that's really where the deepest level of processing can take place mm -hmm. and and yet often what happens is emotions start to come from the feeling in the body then there's emotions then there's judgments about the emotions and whether it's okay for us to have them and then mm -hmm. we're in some kind of diversionary behavior you know the bottom line of which is that we we're not allowed to feel what we're feeling we're just feeling and so and so nothing ever really processes because we're, we're constantly trying to change our state when uh some part of us is perceiving that we're in a certain state it doesn't want us to feel it mm -hmm. and you know so literally someone can go through their entire life you know, not processing just something really, really basic, which maybe isn't even that big a deal, and mm -hmm. and living their life in relative anxiety the whole time because they never really were in a place where they could simply allow this this sense underneath to just process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. I totally agree. Um, and I feel like bioenergetics, you know, like you said, you can kind of, you can just sit there and like, you know, feel the body. Um, but even like explaining that to people, like, you know, saying, you know, feel your body. I, I've noticed that a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? You know? Well, also, you know, yeah, for sure. A lot of people are like that, you know, but like also, you know, I mean, having just explained, you know, that the, that the sense of a body is where the deepest processing takes place. Of course, we think like, okay, let's just feel our body and be be free of all this kind of trauma or, or stuck energy in our system. But, you know, the muscles tend to lock up everything kind of once, once we've been in a kind of defensive behavior around trauma for a period of years, it's kind of locked in and it's not, there's not like a switch that we can push, but just allows repressed feelings or this repressed sense to come, to come up and out. And so mm -hmm. our body tends to feel kind of numb and it's not a very exciting thing to, to focus on if we're, you know, doing yeah. a 20 minute meditation, <laughs> we're supposed to be feeling the body. We're probably going to, within a, a few seconds, well, I'll just start thinking about what I'm having for dinner or, or this or that or whatever, you know, and we just drift around here, there and everywhere because mm. the body is not really open enough, you know, to, to, for the feeling of it just to be exciting. But when you mm. get it more open, and I, you know, it's taken me a while, and I, I feel like I'm still in many ways in first stages of it. You know, sometimes I can just sit down, and it's actually really exciting to feel the body. You know, it's not mm. that it's like loads of emotions going on. It's not that there's loads of thinking going on, but it's just actually really exciting, and my attention is quite quite happy to be in the body. You know, for a period mm. of time. You know, mm. that's like that's like a very new experience for me. You know, it's like. Now it's possible to meditate because the sense of the body is is kind of quite deep, and there's all sorts of things going on in it. Yeah, yeah, I've I definitely feel that way too in terms of my bioenergetics practice. Like even last night, I wasn't tired, but I was like, I'm kind of bored, you know, and I don't really have anything else to do today. So like, I'm just gonna get in the bed and just lie and feel my body, you know, and. Uh, you know, yeah, just get in touch with my body for a while. Um, and it, it feels, it does feel really good once you're able, once you've built up that certain level of bodily awareness, like you said, like, you know, you can realize that there's a whole lot going in the body that you can kind of participate in and um, that 
that really is kind of where a lot of the times most people feel most alive is when they're really connected to their body. Mm. That's it. I mean, it's meant to be like a vibrant, it's a good word, you know, a vibrant sensation, our body, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe if we've been like, you know, we're in our 20s, still, we've been dancing half a night or something, you can feel that kind of sense of, you know, energy streaming through the body and this kind of flowing mm-hmm. aliveness, which is very exciting. But of course that wears off, you know, and then we get a bit older and we don't go dancing so much or whatever. And it's kind of life becomes a bit kind of rigid and set on a kind of track. And it's a little bit how it is, but also, you know, if, if we keep opening up this vibrancy inside, you know, it, it keeps things juicy and exciting as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I've, I've totally found that. And just like, uh, yeah, like over the past couple of years of doing the bioenergetics, like, I just feel like now, yeah, I just feel all my emotions more in like a good way. And like, like, I feel like I laugh deeper, you know, like I have more deeper belly laughs. I laugh louder, you know, like, um, so I, I really do think it's, it's a really important practice that, uh, you know, really can be done, uh, by anybody, you know, by most anybody, um, so, you know, I just want to, I just want to get the word out there about this stuff because I do think it's really powerful. And, um, in a lot of ways, I think, yeah, it's really helped me in all of my other practices, uh, particularly meditation, which, you know, we'll definitely talk about in a bit. Yeah. It's just really, uh, really showed me that, you know, getting in touch with my body, I think so much of like my, my mental health problems or mental health struggles have just been because I've, I feel disconnected from my body. I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty normal, you know, really it, it, it's, it's a little bit crazy in a sense that this stuff isn't, isn't better, better known because, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, a part of it is, I guess you can't make a lot of money out of it. And so there's not much kind of corporate appeal, you know, I don't want to be political mm-hmm. or something, but of course, you know, medicines or, 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 or techniques or whatever that, you know, that, that, that can work financially for a company tend to get prioritized and, right. you know, just trying to get into the sense of a body when also we don't have so much science really kind of investigating these things or able to back it up. You know, it's like, it's a little bit crazy when I look around at some of the level of mental health crisis, particularly in this kind of COVID times, you know, that are going on where people have, you know, they haven't been able to get the natural kind of connection with others that they were used to. And maybe they're not even conscious of that really, but it's just, it's just affecting their mental health a lot and depression and anxiety. And there's, you know, there is quite a lot from the body-based schools that you can do about these conditions. And it's not a quick fix and it's not all scientifically proven in the kind of traditional sense. But in my experience mm. around the therapy scene, 20 years in this scene, there's absolutely quite a lot that you can do and you have to work at it. It's not a cure, yeah. but, but there is a lot you can do and, you know, we're not really doing it. And it's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame. I mean, here in the UK, they've, they've made some progress where like the NHS, which is like the state medical system, uh, you know, you can now get prescribed to learn mindfulness know, John Kabat-Zinn style mindfulness for for chronic pain, when there may be no other treatment but to just accept that 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 mm-hmm. feeling, and and also for stress reduction, 
you know. So, mm. you know, and uh, so that, that's hopeful, you know, that, that uh, you, you know, that these, these kind of ideas can come through a little bit and people can be exposed to alternatives, you know, when previously they've only really been offered pills or sometimes some very formulaic psychotherapeutic kind of tools and, and, and those haven't, for whatever reason, worked for them. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the stats, you know, uh, at least, you know, for the for the United States, uh, you know, I, I imagine it would be similar in uh, the UK and Europe that like, we're losing this mental health battle, <laughs> to be frank, it's mm. just like, you know, anxiety is on the rise, depression is on the rise, suicide is on the rise. I've talked to um, I've, I've been working on this paper writing about mindfulness in schools and I actually interviewed uh, a counselor and she was just like, yeah, kids are like way more stressed now, basically, <laughs> than they were 15 years ago. You know, um, I think we are kind of in the midst of a mental health crisis and especially, you know, with the lockdown and with, with COVID, like, I th of course, I think it was already kind of there and then this lockdown happened and, you know, just exacerbated it. So I, I do think, you know, the, the basically at this point, you know, a modern psychotherapy, you know, and, uh, it's kind of failed us to be frank. Um, and I think, part of the reason why it's failed is because it's ignored the body and getting in touch with the body. And I mean, I think we do, we do see the, the tide shifting, you know, and um, I know you've talked about, I've certainly, you know, seen it over the past few years of getting into Wilhelm Reich and bioenergetics and Alexander Lowen and all this stuff that, you know, it's definitely, you know, there's more information out there about it now than there was a few years ago. But yeah, I mean, and, and also like the, the book, um, The Body Keeps the Score, you know, um, I, I, I'm seeing more and more people read that book. And that book, for those of you who aren't familiar, you know, discusses, it doesn't really reference Reich or Lowen, but it definitely discusses these ideas of how trauma is stored uh, within the body. Um, and so, yeah, so I just think, you know, this, this body-based, uh, you know, psychotherapy, these body-based psychological practices uh, are really going to be the key for the future, um, you know, in terms of, of dealing with, uh, you know, our mental health struggles, particularly as, you know, more and more of our life, you know, moves out from the physical sphere into more of the digital sphere. Absolutely. You know, I mean, at the moment, we just seem to be ramping up the pressure on the average kind of human being in the West, uh, mm -hmm. you know, but it, I don't know, at some point, hopefully, there has to be some kind of, uh, someone has to stand up in government or something and say, look, this is a crisis, it's a full blown crisis. And mm -hmm. actually, we need to take some more action. And if, and if what we've been doing in the last 50 years isn't really working, we have to be open to a few different ideas. I mean, I would be completely confident if I was looking at people with basic low-level mental health conditions, such as basic anxiety or depression, that 60 to 70% of them could be pretty strongly served by, you know, small group therapy sessions, doing some bio, having some sharing, 
maybe some physical contact and just, you know, basically getting social contact and some body work, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure that at least because I've worked with people for a long time, you know, 60 to 70% of people would be pretty much stable with that. They would basically mm-hmm. say, but it might not resolve everything totally, but they would basically be happy if you monitor them coming out. They'd say, wow, that was great. And yeah, I feel much better now, you know, and I'll come mm-hmm. back next week or, or whatever, you know, it's not even like a, a really complicated thing, but to get to a position where that can actually be offered is not, is not very easy because of all the mechanisms of government and all the different kind of people who are involved in the healthcare system and whatever, you know, you can't just really override it like that. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can't override it. So you, you have to go through the system and it's just so incredibly slow and there's vested interests at every level as well. It's like, Unfortunately, probably things have to come to a point where there's literally a full-blown crisis, which is absolutely affecting the kind of gross domestic product of the country or, or you know, and that, that someone somewhere says, look, we have to start to do something because it doesn't need to cost very much. It's, it's, it's really feasible, you know, and it won't, it won't cure mm-hmm. everybody, but you could take a big, big chunk of it out, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, it's a system what we've got and the system just is, is, is really limited functionality and it's, it's overly reliant on a kind of financially incentivized science or institutionally incentivized science as well, you know, and it's just we're, we're, we're kind of almost at the end of some kind of era where hopefully something can break open and change can happen, you know, but at the moment yeah. it's like the institutions and the corporate structure around medicine are just kind of pushing hard with all the COVID things going on and, and, uh, you you know, ramming their narratives out there into the world, but they don't have any solutions for all of these mental health conditions. You know, they just don't have any solutions for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I've, I kind of delved into watching, you know, Adam Curtis documentaries this year and just mm-hmm. like, you know, his whole, just like the market controls everything, you know, it's like, uh, it's just what you're saying about like healthcare and like the healthcare market, you know, it's like, well, they're not going to push things unless you can make money off of it. And, and the thing about bioenergetics is that it is very very simple uh you know at its core um and you know you could teach somebody uh the bow and the arch which are like the two the two most basic kind of uh cornerstone postures of bioenergetics and uh you know just have them do that every day on their own time and you know that doesn't cost them any money and it only takes you a few minutes to teach them so uh, you know, the advantage of it being kind of simple, uh, it kind of com- becomes a disadvantage, I guess, when marketing it. Well, to a degree, I mean, and, and, and you know, to be fair, it's like, you, you know, it's not just uh, corporations or financial interest, you know, that actually could work the other way. You know, the government could say, look, scientists, we need to sort this out, research anything you can, and, uh, you know, the, the money will be there because we'll be saving it from the public purse. You know, but the, the, there's also the institutions in, in, in there as well, and the institutions have been doing things their way, which is to a degree functional, you know, to a degree functional. For, mm-hmm. you know, really, most of the institutions are rooted more in the kind of feudal Europe, really, from the 14th, 15th centuries, and they're still chugging along. And 
you know, they, they, they will exert a high degree of control on how medical knowledge is acquired and then how medical mm-hmm. knowledge is distributed. So mm-hmm. it, it's all locked up together. There's no point in really kind of running it down. It's just become increasingly clear that a, a much more decentralized system would probably be much, much more functional. And, you know, I also don't like to go down that road, which some kind of alternative practitioners do of suggesting that, you know, just use this kind of alternative way and everything's just going to change and be wonderful and be very simple. It is not, you know, it is, it is not mm-hmm. easy to get people to do bioenergetics every day, even the bow and the arch. It is not easy mm-hmm. because at some point you will not really want to do it. And especially when significant moments of change are coming because, essentially, you know, our brain is the product of evolution, some billions of years of evolution, and it's got bugs in it, basically, just like mm-hmm. software with bugs in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when there, there, there are defenses which operate subliminally and they can be triggered by something that's disturbing on the outside, you know, neuroception, but the same means subliminal triggering of defenses, uh, autonomic nervous system, but they can also be triggered by something that's being stirred up on the inside. And, you know, through through doing bio or doing, you know, some kind of body practice, and, you know, they, they will, in, their job then is to get you out of that posture and out of that feeling without you really being aware of what's happening. And so, mm. you know, just doing a, a, a practice like bioenergetics, I'm regularly finding myself spacing out a bit, you know, getting lost in thoughts or, you know, I suddenly mm-hmm. just don't want to do it anymore. You know, my mind comes up with a really convincing argument as to why I shouldn't do it right now. And mm. I had to teach myself to become, to use those kind of moments as a signpost, you know, and to, and to mm. just stick with it because it's usually a sign that something is trying to move. But uh, I mean, it's a slightly long-winded way of saying that, like, uh, just giving bioenergetics to people, you also need to have some kind of structure, some kind of social connection, accountability, you know, so that people can get into it and get some kind of social support from it as well. Like other people who are doing it, they can share with and they can talk about what's going on, you know, what they're – because as you start to open up the body, you feel more open yourself and you feel more confident to speak about what's really happening in your life. You know, we've learned mm-hmm. to – We've learned to suppress a lot of our natural feelings and to not and to not talk about what's going on for men in particular, you know, women less so, mm-hmm. you know, to not talk about the bits of our life which we're which we're struggling with and and because we don't talk about it, then it just kind of increases in its uh, increases in its negativity and its its negative effects on us, you know, and so uh, you know, it's not a straightforward kind of solution like a drug, but. Yeah. It's, it's definitely doable and, and you know, in, in a kind of mature and intelligent explaining way, we, we, we could be really taking on large numbers of people who are struggling uh, and, and, and with some basic level of screening and then, and then putting them into group sessions. And, and I'm willing to bet that a very significant number of them would be quite off, off medication pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so too. Um, as, yeah, like – you know, bioenergetics isn't uh, necessarily the be-all, end-all um, um, for health, but it, it's, you know, I think it's definitely a tool, uh, you know, and a very valuable, very valuable tool at that. Um, now, I did want to ask you, because, you know, this is uh, supposedly a meditation podcast. I do like to veer off just the topic of meditation, but in your mind, I was wondering, 
what do you think are the similarities between, you know, a bioenergetics practice and uh, mindfulness meditation? Well, I, I, I sometimes refer to bioenergetics as like mindfulness 2.0, which mm-hmm. is not meant to be disparaging towards original mindfulness because I'm quite a fan of a Buddha and, and stuff. But like, it's 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 like instead of kind of, you know, you can sit and and practice vipassana, and you know maybe something opens in your body and you you can have a deep transformational experience, or. Uh, you know, you could simply be in this way of watching what's going on inside, you know, witnessing and, 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 and you kind of transcended in some way. The latter is a little bit more looked upon with some kind of skepticism these days, I think quite, quite realistically. But nevertheless, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with, with meditation, but ideally you want to be quite rooted in your body to do it. And then it can be quite a deep transformational experience. And so mm-hmm. just sitting there, you're in a sense kind of waiting for muscles to open and for stuff to come out so that you can feel and process through it. Uh, but you could also go and open those muscles up. So that's what bio is doing. Mm-hmm. Basically it's starting to mm-hmm. put certain muscle groups under pressure. And then in that pressure, it's a little bit like kind of you find an old dishcloth under the sink and it's all gone hard and you can't do anything with it. You know, you put some water on it and you squeeze it around and it starts to become functional again. And, and, and our muscle mm. system will do the same. Uh, you know, it will release the past. And so I like this combination of doing bio and then, and then doing, you know, basic Vipassana meditation. I think, it's, I think it does uh, add something to the, the, the Vipassana. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And like, I, you know, uh, if you study Buddhism or Hinduism, and, you know, you, you find out pretty quickly, you know, that, you know, yoga, the idea behind yoga, you know, was that it was meant to be, uh, and when I say yoga, I mean, like stretching, you know, stretchy yoga, hatha yoga, um, you know, that that was meant to be a warm up for meditation you know um and when teaching meditation in the west you know they, they kind of cut that part out you know <laughs> they're just like oh just sit there you know they they don't uh acknowledge you know that history of doing something physical with your body before you meditate um and so yeah i i totally agree that i think the bioenergetics and mindfulness meditation go you know hand in hand because basically you're you're doing the same thing um in both in my mind you know you're you're paying attention to the body you know um it's just bioenergetics you're holding a particular posture and you know you're breathing um more in a particular way you know generally when you do bioenergetics uh you breathe with your mouth open so that you're you know bringing in uh you know more air more oxygen so yeah you're kind of doing the same thing it's just with bioenergetics you're doing uh you're holding a posture where as meditation you are well you're holding a posture but it's you know not as an intense posture generally uh so yeah i think the two again go perfectly hand in hand and uh, you know for me personally doing bioenergetics is really uh, 
improved and deepened my uh, mindfulness meditation practice as well. Um, so yeah, I think again, the two go together perfectly. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. So now that we've talked a bit about meditation, um, Devaraj, would you, uh, feel like leading us in a meditation practice, a bioenergetically informed meditation practice, maybe? Yeah, sure. Or slightly Reikian informed, perhaps, was what I was thinking of, because uh, mm -hmm. obviously this is just an oral podcast and it might be a bit tricky to explain positions as, as, as we mentioned ourselves. Um, but, you know, something I really got turned on to in the last year was the importance of um, belly breathing and that, you know, when I was doing a lot of therapy about 15, 20 years ago, they would always say, you know, breathe with your belly, but no one ever really fully explained to me exactly what that meant. And at some point, uh, through a rather long process, I came to understand it. And it's actually very handy when, when to just sit and to breathe in this way. Uh, because if you look at mammals breathe, like you look at a dog or a cat when it's kind of relaxed breathing, what you'll see is it's actually initiating breath from its abdominal muscles. It's ballooning the abdomen mm. out, particularly the lower abdominals. And, and when we push our abdomen out, you know, consciously, then our lungs are drawn down. And if our throat uh, is relaxed and our, our mouth a little open or our nose is anyway open, then air will just naturally come in. And then if we relax our abdominals and then push them back in a little bit, then the air is just naturally pushed out. So, you know, observing mammals at rest, you see that this is how they breathe. And yet humans, at least a good 99%, probably higher, do simply not breathe like this. We breathe using upper parts of the chest. We use the muscles around the neck and the throat, like the sternocleidomastoid and the scalenes. And by breathing with these muscles and kind of sucking air in and blowing it out again, you know, it's like we're keeping ourselves in a kind of fight or flight reflex most of the time. And, you know, obviously, you know, if you're in a fight mm -hmm. or you're exercising or, or whatever, then that's pretty reasonable and fair enough. But if you're actually just trying to relax, you know, you don't really want to be using these muscles to breathe with. So I thought what we could do is just, uh, I could just guide anyone listening just, just to sit down, either, you know, just sit on a chair, ideally with so that your feet can be flat on the floor, or to sit on a, a cushion, however you like to sit on the floor or something like this. And then what we're going to do is like with eyes closed, just start to balloon the belly out, literally consciously make yourself your belly stick out and trying to do that with a relaxed throat. And if your mouth a little open or your mouth can be closed and the air can come in through the nose, it's fine. And then kind of ballooning it out for like three seconds and then just relaxing and pushing it back a little bit. So just for like five, 10 minutes, we can do this and, and simply practice breathing with our abdominal muscles and at the same time feel the abdomen as we're pushing it out and bringing it back in again and ideally kind of feel the throat a little bit and try to have it relaxed. And we just we just kind of get into this for something like five minutes, do you think, Jeremy? What, what do you think is good? Yeah, five minutes would okay, be great. Okay, so if you take a moment just to, to sit yourself down and get yourself a bit comfy, you don't have to be uncomfortable. It's totally fine to sit in a chair. And then closing the eyes. Just feel the throat and try to have it relaxed, but not worry if we judge it as not very relaxed. We just do our best in the moment and that'll be good enough. 
And then consciously balloon your belly out, particularly your lower abdomen if you can. And if your throat is relaxed, air will just kind of come in naturally without us having to suck it. And then after a couple of seconds, just relax the belly back and squeeze it back in just a little bit and air will go out. So we're going to continue like that for a few minutes. Every now and again, I'll, I'll remind you just to stay with it. And ideally, a, a cycle of breath should take between about five or 10 seconds or perhaps a little bit longer. But, you know, it shouldn't be a whole cycle of breath any quicker than five seconds. Okay, so we can just begin. Just gently ballooning that belly out, and then relaxing it back in. Keeping the throat relaxed. And just staying really present with our sense of our body. Feeling that belly as we push it out. And then relax it back in. And trying also to feel our throat. Trying to just allow it to be like a simple channel. Through which air can come in and out driven by these belly movements. Continue consciously pushing that belly out as far as it will comfortably go and relaxing and contracting. Trying to keep our airways relaxed 
continuing to stay present with our body in these movements just for another minute or so trying to just let go control from the throat let the belly run breathing Then in your own time, just no longer following this breathing practice and just gently opening your eyes and coming back to the space around you. Bring this little meditation and belly breathing practice session to a close. Hopefully it was interesting. Sometimes what what people tell me is that I've experienced it myself is at a certain point of doing this, we hit a kind of layer of fear because we're so used to controlling the breath from the throat and the throat muscles. And it's like our mind doesn't really trust that actually we are mammals and we can breathe with the belly. And when we continue through that, that's like fear, then it's like something really deep happens. So I hope you had a good experience. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I, I had a good experience. It's, it's always good. Well, at least in my case, to start the day with a little Reiki and breath, breath work, and I guess in your case, you're <laughs> <laughs> kind of wrapping up the day <laughs> with it. With it. Um, but yeah, I, and what you said about the fear, um, yeah, I, I definitely have experienced that myself too, that like you keep breathing and you kind of get more warmed up and you're, you're breathing deeper and deeper and deeper and you do kind of get this sort of rush of anxiety. Um, but if you just keep on breathing, you kind of break through that layer and, uh, I know for me personally, it definitely, <laughs> definitely a lot of interesting stuff starts happening in the body uh, in terms of feeling, you know, energy flowing through different parts of my body. This came up in my mind during the meditation, but if maybe you could talk a little bit about maybe like the relationship between like bioenergetics and like kundalini or like subtle body energy stuff um do you have any thoughts on that well i mean um i had a kind of kundalini experience i guess you could call it that when i was a lot younger and uh traveling in thailand back in my 30s and and uh 
yeah, I mean, I didn't even know what it was. It was just a kind of explosion thing in my head for for a while, and then I just forgot all about it because I didn't really have any context to place it in. But because of that, and because mm-hmm. then I got into the sort of new age alternative spiritual scene, particularly around Osho, and and lived in an Osho community in, in the UK for like nearly twenty years. I met a lot of people who were kind of busy with Kundalini and that they'd had uh, an, an energetic experience of some sort. There were all sorts of different types, but that they'd had some kind of like sense, experience of their energy kind of waking up in their body. And in traditional Hindu culture, I think there's a famous old British general or something that wrote this book called The Serpent Power or something back about 100 years ago. Yeah. And he described Kundalini as kind of, you know, this, this using Hindu metaphors as this kind of snake curled up in the bowels that could be awoken by certain breathing practices or body movement practices. And, you know, what I've come to understand, and, and that then it would kind of, the, the energy would flow up the body, maybe up the spine or some kind of etheric uh, version of the spine and activate the, the chakras, you know, somatic centers and this kind of thing. And to be honest, you know, I, whilst I'm, I'm, I'm totally open to these ideas and I've been around this scene and I've had Kundalini experiences myself, I don't, I kind of, I feel like my role more with this stuff is to really kind of keep people a bit grounded because some people who get into Kundalini can kind of lose it a little mm. bit and go off in a, in a spiritual world a bit. And sometimes that's not really so useful for them. Sometimes it's a way of avoiding, you know, when, when when you have an energetic experience in your body, really mostly what you seem to need is to find a way of really processing and resolving stuff that happened in your childhood. And, you know, traditional psychology and body-based therapy is the kind of things that are more useful for that. And maybe for someone who's got a lot of trauma and, and who's kind of a bit dissociated, you know, they, they might just want to talk about spiritual things and, and understand it in terms of chakras, which is okay. But you just need to find some way to kind of really ground yourself and and slowly open your body up and, 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 and allow whatever's happening to happen. So I'm not, you know, like a big spiritual type of person and I don't really teach those things so much. I feel like there's, there's plenty of other people who do that. I lived for a long time in the West of England and, you mm-hmm. know, throw a stone, throw a stick and you'll hit a spiritual teacher, you know, certainly around the Glastonbury area. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm more on the kind of grounding path and uh, uh, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. the come back to earth kind of bit rather than go up into the heavens kind of part. But, you know, I think all these things are interesting. You know, I think they're interesting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I say, I've had, had experiences myself. So, you know, I'm not someone to be too skeptical or to be denying Right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe I just feel like I'm, I'm really aware of, yeah, of the energy flow in my body. And I guess the thing that makes me think about how bioenergetics relates to that type of stuff is just based off of my experience of doing, uh, you know, Tibetan Buddhist tantric stuff, um, tantric mm-hmm. practices, and just like the similarities between the two in terms of like what I feel happens in my body there's there's differences too it's it's interesting how there's like kind of different flavors and in my experience it seems like there's different like flavors of energy flow in the body um and so the tantric stuff does feel slightly different than the bioenergetic stuff but it's a lot of it to me is the at least the felt sense of what i experience in the body um to me, again, has oftentimes been similar with doing both of those practices. 
so yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that and your opinion on that. So thank you. In terms of uh, wrapping up, uh, I think this was a great conversation. And like, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for, uh, you know, thank you for teaching me. Thank you for teaching all of us about bioenergetics. I mean, I'll go ahead and say, you know, like, if you want to learn about this stuff, you know, Devaraj is the guy. His YouTube channel is uh, unparalleled uh, when it comes to uh, information about this stuff. And then, of course, you know, there are more structured online courses that Devaraj offers. Um, but yeah, uh, you want to give a quick plug for yourself and all the things that you offer? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's quite easy to find me if you just put Devaraj, which is D-E-V-A-R-A-J and Bioenergetics into Google. You're going to come across my website and my YouTube channel pretty quickly. But my website is also bioenergetics.org.uk. And yeah, I've got online courses. I've written a couple of books, which you can get either physical copies or the like the ebook versions. And I've got a lot of free material. It's a bit chaotic and sprawling, but there's plenty of material on my on my YouTube channel that you can you, you can check stuff out, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm totally into this stuff. I do it every day. You know, I do it every morning. I'm doing bio and if I go down the gym I'll do a I'll work a little bit of bio into my into my workout. So I'm really into this stuff myself and I'm basically enthusiastic about it and it you know, also what I didn't really say about it, but what I love about it is, you know, I do it in the morning and I'm 60 years old and kind of old and I've savaged my body in my earlier years with alcohol and things like this, you know, but I can still be after a half an hour workout with the bio, you know, totally functional, totally positive, totally resilient for the day, you know, and just having energy, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like, it's just a really, really useful, practical thing to get into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally feel that with, with my bioenergetics practice too. Like, yeah, it does open you up, create a sense of energy, um, but also, yeah, kind of, like you said, grounds you and gives you this sort of sense of resilience um, throughout the day. Um, but again, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Devaraj. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to have all the links to, you know, your website and your YouTube channel and anything else you want um, in the description below. So uh, for those of you who found this interesting, you know, be sure to check out uh, Devaraj and his material. Um, and yeah, we will uh, catch you next time. Mm. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jeremy. It's been very lovely. Awesome. Thank you, Devaraj. This has been another episode of Meditating with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about my meditation teachings and programs, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. 